Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen here with life coach Monique Scott, and this is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today, and Monique is uh, doing the LOA Today circuit this week. This is her second of three shows. <laughs> right. I'll be right back here again tomorrow. You'll be back again tomorrow, and that's good. All right, we're also doing a little bit of a, an experiment today. We're, we're going to be experimenting with another platform fairly soon. I'm still trying to work out some bugs there, but in the meantime... Um, we're going to be live streaming to a Facebook group today, which is the Law of Attraction Changed My Life group, which I've gotten permission in the past to uh, uh, send to, and we're going to start doing it again. So if you were a past uh, listener on this group, you know, feel free to jump in and uh, we'll be glad to incorporate what you have to say and what we're talking about. Uh, but I'm hoping with this new platform that uh, I was telling you about, Monique, I know you've tried it out. You've worked with it, StreamYard. Yeah. Um, they allow us to go to multiple places. And the other thing that's holding me back is this screen feature that allows the person who's talking to be the featured person on the screen. Right. Zoom has that. Blue Jeans has Most everybody has access to StreamYard. I don't quite understand that one. I but, guess I uh, say we give you so much other good stuff. You don't need that. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but I want abundance. <laughs> right. That's what we're all about. And I, was, and I was telling them that today, too. And they were agreeing with me. So, you know, all we, all we got to do is get their programmers to agree, but, um, hey, you know, one step at a time. Right. But, uh, anyway, I figured today we had a few things to go over, um, that we, we were kind of touching on before. First and foremost, we got an email about, um, something we talked about, uh, I think it was last week. Melissa okay. wrote in and, uh, I, I neglected to bring it up when you were here on Monday. So I'm glad I hung on to it here, but she wanted to know, um, you mentioned a YouTube channel about manifesta- manifestation success stories. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she, she wants to know, what is it? Where is it? <laughs> oh, sure. I'm happy to. Um, well, first of all, thank you so much for the email. Alyssa, right? It's Alyssa. Melissa. Mem- Melissa. Oh, Melissa. Okay. Right. So um, the YouTube channel that I'm talking about is called Mind, Body, Spirit. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Suyash just spells it all one word, mind, body, spirit. Okay. And again, his name is Suyash. He's an Indian guy. And that's the whole crux of his um, YouTube channel. It's nothing but manifestation stories, people who have written him from around the world with anything you can think of, Walt, from jobs to moving to traveling to manifestating homes, even kids, right? Mm -hmm. Marriages, specific persons, anything you can think of. It's my all-time favorite because whenever I'm feeling kind of low, and I mean, even though I'm a manifestation and mindset coach, um, while I am human, right? That's what I've been led to believe, yes. (laughs) I mean, you seem like superwoman at times, but, you know, I can understand. (laughs) Don't believe the hype, okay? I'm I'm totally human. I'm totally humorous. So even when I have my days, Melissa, when I'm not feeling the best, right? And I need to raise my vibration, does it every time. Walt, I've even saved some of his videos and I have just a private YouTube um, list that I kind of created for myself of nothing but my favorite ones from his channel. I've been probably listening um, to them, I don't know, two years easily, two and a half years. I think he's had his channel like about four though. Yeah, very cool. And I'm going to have to check that one out myself, too, because I've had a, love few, it. a few projects in mind that um, would have been helped by having manifestation stories. 
And I'm thinking, oh, maybe I can tie something in with what he does. So yeah. Yeah. yeah good stuff. So thank you, Melissa, for sending that question in. Yeah, thank um, you. You just gave me information, so I appreciate it as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Really I love good. it. Now, we also, I believe last week, we had a couple of ideas to carry on talking about this week. And the notes that I have, first of all, was to talk about um, the term you use, is, which is radical belief, which is yeah. uh, very, very similar to Cindy Chavez, by the way. She has a term, radical responsibility. So really oh, very much I like in the that. same ballpark. I yeah. like that, too. Yeah. And then we were going to talk about selling as an analogy for limiting beliefs and ceilings. And I'm not quite sure why we were talking about that, but, you know, it's in the notes. So there it is. <laughs> yeah. We'll just run with it, right? So let's start with radical belief. Let's define for our audience what is that as you understand it and why is it so important? So radical belief to me, in my opinion, is what I call childlike faith. And we, I think I talked about this maybe Monday or maybe last week, yeah. but it's when we have the faith that God, the universe, source, energy, whatever you call he, she, or it, right? <laughs> um, when you just have this belief that it's going to happen, that you're going to have your manifestation, that God is going to work with you, you're going to co-create with the universe in order to make your manifestation come true. But the key is, is to have radical belief, meaning I don't care what I see in the natural. I don't care what I see in the physical, in my reality. I'm going to believe no matter what, just like children do, no matter what. They ask for a bike. They want a bike. They're expecting a bike. And they, they usually get a bike, right? They have no belief that mom and dad is going to get the bike for Christmas or whatever that they want it. So, unless mom and dad, unless dad happens to be Louis D'Souza. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm serious because what he taught his daughters was how to be their own manifestors. And really? they actually manifested bikes without mommy and daddy. Oh, kind of like Joe Dispenza does with his children. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. Unless and, you're Joe and Louie, okay? <laughs> Well, Louis will tell you he's not any more special than anybody else. Anybody can do it. Right. Um, but it's a great story. Actually, his, his uh, elder daughter, eldest daughter, the youngest daughter, I, I think, is just coming to the age where she might be interested in a bicycle. The eldest mm -hmm. daughter, she's, I'm guessing, 11 or 12, something like that. Okay. I can't remember exactly how old she is. But um, she was um, she was able to manifest two bicycles from two different sources within about a two-month period. You go, girl. <laughs> that's my kind of girl right there. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's it really is. really cool, you know? So it, it, it doesn't have to be through mom and dad, I guess, what the point is. No, but to your point, she had radical belief. She mm. had that childlike faith that I'm talking about, right? Because we talked about that on Monday, how children have less of a resistance because they don't have so much stuff built up over the years to kind of say, hey, that's, that might not happen, right? Yeah, and that childlike belief is it's easier to do when you're younger. Mm -hmm. It's harder to do when you're older, but that doesn't mean we can't do it. When right. We're, right. Exactly. But because it's a little bit tougher, what do you recommend for people who are older and saying, I don't really feel all that good because I got all this stuff built up over the years? Well, the thing I always ask them is maybe they don't consider it manifestation, but for my people who have, like me, a Christian background, I will often say, 
Well, what about there's a time that you prayed for something or you asked God, I don't know, to pay a bill or whatever it was, right? And it happened. And they always say yes, because almost everybody has something, right? Right. And I said, always think of that. If that's the only thing you can draw on to believe that your manifestation is going to come to fruition, then draw on that. Because you had to believe that God was going to do it. You prayed to him, you asked for it, or you were manifesting you know, the money to pay the bill and it got done. So that's what I always recommend. You know, I, I don't try to make it super woo woo, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Just pretty straightforward. If you've ever asked God for anything and he's done it, and it's usually more than one thing, right? <laughs> Draw on that. And that's literally you manifesting and just co-creating your reality with God. Do you ever suggest uh, to a client or to someone you're trying to help with this uh, to remember what it was like to be a young child asking for something or, or even just a young child imagining something, just playing and being, and, and kind of returning to that imaginative state as a way to get into the right uh, asking space. No, I haven't, but you know what? I'm, I'm going to borrow that idea and I'm going to keep it. Okay. Right? I'm <laughs> not yours. stealing it. I'm just borrowing it. Right? <laughs> Are you going to return it? Oh, okay. later. <laughs> <laughs> But thanks. Well, I like that idea a lot because if somebody, you're right, if somebody can imagine or, you know, kind of put themselves back in time as you were, right? Mm -hmm. And to think back to that time, it's a little bit easier, right? It is. It's easier. And it's also, it's, it's a strange thing because when you're a kid, I don't want to use the term black and white because that has a different meaning, but it's almost like it's black and white. Like it's, it's, it's clearly that you're imagining or you're not imagining you're playing right. or you're not playing. There, there's never a gray area, right. right? You know? So when the kid starts playing about anything, you know, playing that um, he or she is an astronaut or mm-hmm. he or she is, you know, a firefighter or a nurse or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. It doesn't matter that the fire engine is a, a crate. In their minds, they are living it. It's a real fire engine. Yeah. And that's really the state you're you're talking about. That's where that radical belief is in there because, sure, they know it's a box, but that's not what they're thinking about. Right. No, they're not. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because that's usually the analogy that I use or the example that I use when I'm teaching my clients about acting as if. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people say, oh, I can't act as if. Well, you did when you were a child, make believe. My cousin used to like to play husband and wife all the time. And somehow ah. I was always the husband because she would like to put the towel on her head for like the veil <laughs> thingy. That was like her favorite part, right? Ah. <laughs> like, I never get to be the husband, but that's never, neither here nor there. But <laughs> we were acting as if, right? Yeah. We make believe. That make believe is well let me let me turn it into a question rather than making it a statement okay isn't that make believe the foundation of a happy childhood i think that it is i think that it is because i had a really really great childhood and as a kid i was pretty imaginative now that i think about it and it's probably like the can't speak today it's probably sometimes the tongue takes a while to to show up that's all there is to it (laughs) (laughs) right so that's probably why now today as an adult and i never really made the correlation until we're having this conversation 
but it's really, really easy. Um, I'm a creative visualization. It's super easy for me. Meditation or to go into a deep meditated state is really easy for me. I never really thought about it, putting two and two together, but yeah, you know, when I was little, I think that was part of, you know, having a happy foundation as a kid. And I can imagine skeptics saying, well, with all the kids in the world who pretend that they're astronauts or firemen, how come they don't all turn into astronauts or firemen? I mean, doesn't that prove that the law of attraction isn't really working? No. I pretended to be a husband, but I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) So what went wrong? (laughs) Well, one, I'm a girl. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, these days you can't even assume that, you know. (laughs) This is true. Okay. This is true. But I think, you know, I think when it comes to, if someone were to ask that question, I think it comes down to some people, some kids know that if they're, you know, pretending to be a policeman or a nurse or a doctor or whatever, I think they already have this knowing that that's Mm. what they want to be. I didn't want to be a husband. I didn't even want to play it. So (laughs) (laughs) that wasn't going to manifest, but I think some kids know and it manifests because They're focused on that from the very beginning, right? And then other kids, they grow up and they think, oh, you know what? Mm, That was cool, but I think I like this now. And, you know, they get exposed to different things and and we grow, right? That's just it. And and that's actually the statement I was going to make, but I I didn't want to color what you were going to say. So that's why I didn't make the statement first. But uh, yeah, my, my suggestion is that kids... As part of the, and this is true for adults too, by the way, anybody who plays is trying things out. Yeah. They aren't making final decisions. Right. They're trying things out. One of the coolest things I've ever seen, I was involved in the foundation of a, an alternative school okay, based, cool. based on a school in uh, Framingham, Massachusetts called the Sudbury Valley School. Mm-hmm. And some people may know about it. Abraham Hicks actually apparently knows about it. They, they endorsed the model, which is pretty unusual for them <laughs> to endorse anything. Um, but they endorse the model mainly because the school is for and run by the kids. There are, there's no adult enforced curricula. There are no required classes or anything. The kids literally just follow their noses all day long. It's kind of like unschooling on a, on a schoolroom basis. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And really cool. One of the f- most fascinating things, and I helped to found a school based on that model in New Britain, Connecticut, that uh, was open for, uh, I guess, about 10, 11, 12 years, something like that. But um, the one of the fascinating things about that model is watching how kids move from one game to the next, from mm-hmm. one imaginative ca- uh, you know, experience to the next. Um, and it can be something that lasts five minutes. Or it can be something that lasts a week or maybe two weeks, or it can last six months. And you never know in advance which it's going to be. Right. But what you do know is that it's very likely most of them are going to be the five-minute variety. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to find one they like, and they're going to keep doing it until they get tired of it, and then they'll go on to the next thing. Right. And when they have that um, that freedom to just follow their noses, to just pursue what's the next really interesting thing for them to pursue – they can race through possibilities so that by the time a kid goes through 12 years of this kind of school, 
And, mm-hmm. and that school has been around, the one in um, Massachusetts has been around since 1969. So a lot of people have gone through for a full 12 years. By the time they come through, they have a much, much better idea of what they want to do with their lives than the kids coming through the public school system have. I can believe that. Yeah. I can believe that. I was, I came through public schools and I can remember my own graduating class. And I'm pretty sure it's been true of all the other classes everywhere. Mm-hmm. It was at least half the population had no idea what they were going to do. They didn't even know what they wanted to go to college for if they were going to go to college at all. They didn't yeah. even know what their majors were going to be. That was me. <laughs> okay. So you know what I'm talking about here. Absolutely. But Absolutely. the kids who come through a school where they're completely free to, to learn or do whatever it is they want to learn or do, they have a much higher likelihood of of knowing what they want to do by the time they're ready to leave the school. And they don't even have – there are no tests. There are no grades. There's nothing like that. They, yeah. what, what they have kind of evolved over time is there's, there's like a little – I don't know, rite of passage, I guess you might call it. Mm-hmm. The the kid decides that he or she is ready to leave school at whatever age it is. And then they basically go through kind of the equivalent of a thesis. You know, if, if you're going for a master's or a PhD, you, you establish your thesis and then you have to go through a, um, a thesis board that's, that's reading your thesis and challenging you on it and so forth. The same kind of thing happens. Um, with this kind of a school model, but they, they aren't writing a thesis. They're just simply making their case for why they think they're ready to leave the school and go out to the world. Wow. And it's really fascinating to see how all that plays out. One of the things, this particular school, the one in Massachusetts, has collected a lot of data about the kids who have gone through the school over the last, mm-hmm. was it, you know, 40, 50 years, I guess it is. And one of the key elements that has come through is that Compared to kids who go through public school systems, kids who go through this kind of school are somewhere like three or four times more likely to become entrepreneurs. Yeah. And that makes sense when you think about it because they've had time to try things out. But you know what? Also, Walt, in that type of environment, they're not put into a box for their thinking either. That's true. And they're not criticized or um, discouraged from being creative and yes. thinking about what it is that they want and changing it. You know, like you said, you know, today they might be a policeman tomorrow. They come to school, they're a fireman next five minutes. They want to be a doctor or whatever. Mm-hmm. Perfectly. Okay. And I think that that's the way that it should be. But when you get into the public school system, that the average public school system, right? Um, it's all about conformity. It's all about checking the boxes, you know, dotting your I's, crossing your T's, curling your Q's, doing what everybody else is doing, you know, dressing like everyone else is dressing, that kind of stuff, right? That's true. Yeah. And it's unfortunately like, in a way, it's almost like sort of like a competition because of, you know, in high school especially, it can be so cliquish, right? You got the oh, popular yeah. kids, the nurse, the unpopular kid, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But in that oh, yeah. type of environment, the school that you're talking about, everybody is just free to be who they are without yes. restriction. Exactly. And I think that's a beautiful thing for a creative mind. Now, of course, it's a bit of a challenge for the parents who send the kids to that school because, you know, what do you mean? There's no grades. How are they going to get into college? You know, what are they right. going to do for a career if they aren't the being tested and all that? Everyone. Actually, interestingly enough, they have a very high percentage of students who go to college. Nice. I yeah. love it. One of the most fascinating and, and really um, 
encouraging and intriguing stories. There's a lot of stories that come out of that school. One of the best ones is the story of a young lady who uh, graduated from the school mm-hmm. and she was trying to figure out what college she wanted to go to. She knew what she wanted to study. And I, I don't know what it was that she wanted to study, but she was clear about what she wanted to study. Mm-hmm. And one of the, uh, I think it was one of the staff members, because they do have staff members. They don't, you know, formally teach classes or anything, but they're available to, you know, help kids out who want to be helped with stuff, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, they're facilitators, basically. And uh, I think one of the staff members was the one who suggested uh, that she check out a school near where we live here. In uh, It's in Middletown, Connecticut, called uh, Wesleyan University. And uh, so she went and checked it out with her mom, and she liked it. It was exactly what she was looking for. So she went to apply and found that the application period had already passed. But she had grown up in a Sudbury school where she could just pursue whatever she wanted to pursue. So she didn't know the meaning of no. (laughs) She only knew, go ahead, full steam ahead. Right. So they got home, and the next day she got on the phone and called the admissions department. And mm-hmm. said, I want to come to the school. And they said, Oh, we're so sorry, but you've, the admissions period has passed. Um, but you can, you know, apply again next year. And so she hung up and then the next day she called up and said, Hi, I want to come to your school. And they said, Well, like we said yesterday, we're really sorry, but the admissions period is passed. We, we would love to have you apply next time around. We have admissions, but we just can't take any more admissions this year. So the next day she calls up the school and says, I want to come to your school. I love her. And, th- and this went on for days. <laughs> Finally, one day, the dean of admissions overheard the conversation and said, what's that all about? Oh, well, you know, this girl keeps calling every day, but we keep telling her every day. You know, the, the, the admissions period is closed. He says, bring her in here for an interview. But well, you don't have any time in your schedule. You're packed with interviews right now. Oh, we'll just fit her into 15 minutes somewhere. Right. So he fit her in for, for 15 minutes. She, she showed up with her mom. Um, he brought her into his office for the 15-minute meeting. 45 minutes later, they come out of the office, arm in arm. He walks up to his, to her mom and says, I hope your daughter decides to come to the school. She's exactly the kind of student we want here. And she did this without transcripts. She did this without grades. She did this without any of the usual stuff that you have coming out of the schools. And that's not an unusual story. That's a typical story. Love it. I mean, talk about law of attraction. Yes, and also another thing I like to say, persistence pays. It does. It really does. And she didn't understand the idea of no. I mean, she did, obviously. You can't grow up in this world without knowing what no is. But but she didn't allow no to hold her back. That's that radical faith, right? Mm -hmm. To me, that's what she was exercising. She was like, I know, you know, a radical belief. I know that I'm going to go to this school. I'm going to go to this school. I don't care what they say. You know, I don't care what the lady keeps telling me every single day. This is a school I want to go to. And I love the fact that in her mind, everything is available to her. Nothing is off limits, which is what I love to talk about and teach my clients that no matter what you want, nothing is off limits. You know, while some people ask me, well, you know, Monique, you're 50. You've never been married. Don't you think it's too late or are you worried about finding the right person? You know, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, absolutely not. Why would I be worried about that? Last I checked, there's plenty of single men still left, right? This is true. Nobody wants to get married or remarried, right? Whatever. But I don't, I don't let that bother me. What they want to call a statistics, right? Especially since I'm a single black woman as well. Mm-hmm. That matters not. 
to God, you know, or the universe or me. When and I'm ready, I'll get married. That's kind of unusual. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. Most people who are at the same stage of life that you're at are going to have a different reaction. They're going to have the fears that you don't have. So how do you attribute to the, 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 the truth that you have rid yourself of these fears? Or maybe you never actually acquired them in the first place. I'm not really sure, but how do you do it that they don't? Yeah, I had a client, uh, really difficult to, I won't say change her mind. I, you know, that's not my job. Right. But to get her to understand, kind of like what we were going back on Monday when we were talking about um, unprogramming or deprogramming, right? A lot of programming that you've gotten, kind of like what you're talking about from society and maybe church or whatever. And so for me, Walt, I never saw myself married. I never saw myself with children. Uh-huh. I always saw myself as this single rich (laughs) woman just just you know having the time of my life traveling doing whatever that was never even a thought in my mind it wasn't until I don't know in the last three or four years I've actually thought about getting married but even when I started thinking about okay maybe I want to settle down and it's not even because I think oh I'm getting older or I'm lonely or I don't want to die alone which is what a lot of people think too right Mm -hmm. sure none of those things come to mind I just really think about it kind of like life like this young lady right for the university nothing is unavailable to me when I'm ready mm-hmm. I can call it into existence so when I'm ready I'll meet my husband I've already told God I'll meet my husband you know this year I won't get married this year I don't want to get married <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready for that yet right I have a few more things I want to accomplish but when I do get married I want to be settled more settled in my business so that I can have more time to put towards us, our relationship, right? Because right now I just don't think I would make a very good life partner with how ambitious I am, right? But to answer your question, um, it literally just never crosses my mind that I won't get married or that I won't find the partner that's for me. That is, I know this sounds so childish, Walt, but I promise you, I'm so for real. I'm so sincere. It never crosses my mind that it won't happen. And yet your clients must tell you the opposite, that it crosses their mind all the time. So what do you tell them? Oh, my gosh. It was like, (laughs) I still didn't get her completely convinced, right? (laughs) She'd be good for a little while, but then she'd go back to, well, I'm over 40 and I'd like to have children of my own someday. And I was like, it's not impossible just because, you know, you are like me, I'm, I'm perimenopausal. I guess that's what they call it. Like premenopause. Mm-hmm. Right. But female wise, I'm still able to get pregnant and have children if I desired. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was just trying to get across to her that just like you believe God for anything else, it literally doesn't matter how old you are, how long it's been, None of that matters. And if you take the Bible, which a lot of people do in a literal sense, I don't, but literally, right? Sarah was way, way beyond. I was thinking about the story of Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Way beyond childbirth years. Her and Abraham, really, Mm -hmm. way beyond. And she had a child. She did. But we hear that kind of thing, maybe not a lot, but from time to time, you'll hear a 50-year-old. I've even heard of a 60 
three-year-old, I think, mm-hmm. had a baby. Mm-hmm. So it's possible. Anything is possible. I think it's just that people, because of the norm, right, what society says, what they choose to believe is their reality versus choosing to believe what can be their reality, right? I believe that they let all those kind of social constructs kind of tell them, dictate to them what's true for them or what's possible for them. I don't. I I don't. Because you and I both know we create our own reality, right? That's right. So if that's the case, why won't I meet my husband this year and get married next year? The only reason I don't is because if I choose, oh, I changed my mind. I don't want to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's possible because God says it is. By the way, I want to make a note that uh, uh, a listener, VRSK, said, I'm the first person who saw this video. So we want to give him credit, you know, because he was the first one to see it. And we want to encourage people who are tuning into the live stream um, as we're recording. If you have anything you want to add or if you want to ask a question or whatever, by all means, include it. I I keep checking periodically to see if anybody's asking questions. So, you know, by all means, do that. Be a part of the conversation. We love it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a good thing. But uh, so let's go back to uh, the the radical belief concept again and tie it into what we've been talking about. Okay. And and by the way, the radical belief sounds very similar to Cindy Chavez's radical responsibility. Um, The difference, I think, is pretty minimal. The way she explains it, and I'm probably going to misrepresent a little bit. So Cindy, if you're tuning in, forgive me. But (laughs) um, radical responsibility is where you accept total responsibility for everything that happens in your life saying, yes, I attracted that. Yes, I played a role in it. Yes, I, in some way, led this thing to happen. Not that this suggests in any way that, you know, perpetrators don't exist or that other people aren't doing things that could harm you and that uh, they aren't responsible for their own stuff. That doesn't mean that at all. Actually, it means that they're just as responsible as you are. We're all responsible for our own stuff. So it's kind of, I think it's just a different take on the same concept. The idea that we do have responsibility for everything we're attracting into our life, which is part of what the radical belief is. It's that total belief, isn't it? It's that 100% belief. I am in charge. Yeah. And I am responsible. We Mm -hmm. talked about that. I think maybe last week with my narcissistic ex-boyfriend. Yeah, right. right. (laughs) On some level, I attracted not one, but two. Two of them. Hey. (laughs) I did. You're you're, you're an expert there. much (laughs) but yeah you know I take as Cindy says radical responsibility for that but I also give myself grace to grow right so I'm not holding myself hostage and being all mean to myself oh my gosh Monique you're such an awful person how in the world did you do that oh my god you know what I mean no not at all by the way, uh, Leo also post- posted awesome stuff, so we're, we're resonating here, which is a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's take this uh, to take this back to that that school I was talking about. Yeah. Um, which is it's an alternative kind of school, obviously, and it's very yeah. similar to what uh, is often called uns- unschooling, although it's done in a community environment rather than at home. Um, so it, it, that's the, the real difference between the two concepts. But one of the cool things that comes out of that is you never really know when a kid's going to learn stuff, but they all learn. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to bring that point out because there, there may be people tuning in who are shaking their heads and saying, yeah, but, you know, without 
to organize classes and you know being required to go to class and study certain stuff and you know the, the teacher exposing you to things and and uh, your grades and your transcripts and so forth you're going to be behind when it comes to getting ahead in life after you leave that school. I mean, it sounds great and all that, but, and I just wanted to put people's minds at ease about all that because first of all, what they found at that, at the school that started it all, the Sudbury Valley School, um, they found that every child without exception by the age of 12, if they came in at age six, you know, as, you know, their first year, by the age of 12, they all knew how to read. And the interesting thing is the staff members half the time didn't know how they learned it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> they, wow. I mean, they, they, one really cool story. This is a more extreme story. Most of them, most of the time they learn from each other. That's mm-hmm. the most common way. Sometimes they ask a staff member to, to teach them. Sometimes as a parent, sometimes they just learn it outside the school, mm-hmm. but sometimes they just don't have any clue where they learned it. It's just that the kid wanted it so badly. They learned it. Yeah. And the, the best story I knew this, they had like uh, six acres of property and still have six acres of property. They, they've got a few buildings on the property um, mm-hmm. and a lot of outside grounds. Great for kids to go out and play. And they have a pond with a little, little bridge on the pond. Oh. And this one kid brought his fishing pole and he started fishing. Now, I don't think there are any fish in the pond. I could be wrong about right. that. Maybe they stock it, but I don't think there are any fish. But he just wanted to go fishing every day. Mm-hmm. So he did. He went fishing every day, <laughs> all year long. Wow. So that by the time the next term came around, you know, the father would come and say, look, I understand the concept, but all my kid did was just fish all year. And they'd say, you got to trust the model. You got to trust the way the system works. And so he did. This went on for years. <laughs> the kid just went fishing every day. Wow. Until one day he approached a staff member and said, I want to learn how to use a computer. And the staff member, now this was, this is not current. This is probably about 20 years ago. So mm-hmm. you had to know something about how computers worked, maybe 30 years ago. You had to know something about how computers work yeah. in order to actually learn how to use it. What They weren't the user-friendly devices yeah. we have oh, today. Trust me, I remember. Exactly, yeah. So, But I wanted to set the time frame so you understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the staff member said, well, that sounds great, but you understand you need to know some things. I mean, like you need you have to know how to read. You have to know how to write. And he says, well, I know how to read. I know how to write. Mm-hmm. You do? When did you learn that? When I was fishing. Okay. Well, you also have to learn how to do math because you have to program your own programs. You know, it's not like you can go probably buy programs off the shelf. That hasn't happened yet. Right. So, you, well, I know how to do math. You do? Where'd you learn to do math? Well, I was fishing. They never figured out where he learned to read, where he learned to write, where he learned to do math. What they did figure out is that he ended up going to uh, Hewlett Packard and getting hired and ended up as a vice president. Shut up! <laughs> Wow, that's an amazing story. I love it, that. It has law of attraction flowing through it. All over it. He wanted to have it, so he had it. And he had, you can tell, he had absolutely no doubts whatsoever. He didn't voice a single concern. He just wanted to learn how to use a computer. <laughs> that was the only concern he had. Yeah. <laughs> he had radical belief. He had radical belief. So that's what I think we're talking about when we say we need to learn from the kids. Mm-hmm. The kids can teach us how to do this stuff. They can teach oh, us how to be definitely. conscious creators. Yeah. And it's true. The kids don't have the baggage that we have. We carry, we, we, we pick up more and more baggage as the years go on. Oh, we're yeah. very good at that. And oh, yeah. 
it's part of living in, in polarity and, you know, the, the world of contrast, but we do. And so it can take more time, the older we get, mm-hmm. to lay some of that baggage down. But that's why we can learn so much from the kids because yes. they, they don't, it doesn't stick to them. They just go on to the next thing with full enthusiasm. Why does that seem so hard for us as we get older? Now you just took the question right out of my mouth. I was going to ask you the exact question. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that interesting though? Yeah. yeah. It's so interesting. Well, I think it's- the answer is partly the, that it's programmed. I mean, we pick up programming over time and, and it's our subconscious mind that's being programmed. And yeah. as that programming happens, programming basically happens because we think about something. It's probably something that we were taught to think about, you know, mm-hmm. a teacher or a, a parent or a well-meaning adult or a boss or you know, somebody said, well, you know, you, you can't expect this to happen in life or, you know, don't set yourself up for disappointment or, you know, money doesn't grow on trees yeah, or you know, whatever it is. Like there's a bunch of stuff that we just pick up over time and it gets repeated. And if you yeah. want to really make the programming stick, you repeat it over and over and over again. We have an entire society of people that are very willing to help us do exactly that. And mm-hmm. so that's where the programming comes from. Yeah. Now, the cool thing is the subconscious mind is reprogrammable. Thank goodness. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd be in real trouble. Oh, my gosh. Yes, thank goodness. But it is reprogrammable. And it can be done. It's just that the kids haven't built up the programming yet. That's why it's so easy for them. Right. 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 So with that understanding, now what we I think we're really realizing is in order, as we get older, in order to manifest stuff as easily as a kid does, we just have to reprogram our subconscious minds. Yes. Now that means we have to change how and what we're paying attention to. Because if we keep watching the same television show over and over again, it's going to program our subconscious mind with what that television show is programming us. I heard that sigh. <laughs> You're just preaching. Oh my gosh. I, I literally <laughs> want to say preach, preacher. Yes. But that's the way it works, isn't it? That's, that's really the way that it works. Yeah. And it's so interesting to me how a lot of people still have not grasped the reality of that, right? That everything that you bring into your awareness matters. That's why I do not own a TV. I don't, but for me personally, I don't really find anything on TV that's constructive for Monique. You sound like me. Louise asked me, what do you want to watch this for you did? And I say, I don't know. <laughs> Just... Maybe like the History Channel or something. Oh, we've like tried... That. We've, we've tried all kinds of stuff. Sometimes we find something interesting, but. Uh, yeah. Because literally I'm not an entertainment person. That, that's mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be entertained. And for a lot of people, I think we can agree that television is usually a distraction from their life, mm-hmm. right? They don't want to think about their life. They turn off from their life, unplug from their life. And I'm trying to do the opposite. I want to stay plugged into my life. I don't want to unplug, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm very conscious of what it is that I'm bringing into my awareness because I know that that is going to um, have a so what I'm looking for. It's it's going to have an effect on how I think, how I see the world, and ultimately what I do. That programming that you're talking about, 
And if I'm going to program my mind with anything, well, I want to program it with only good stuff, only things that matter as far as I'm concerned, right? And for me, that's learning more and more about how the mind works, how to, mm. you know, work better with spirit. Those are the things that light my fire, right? Right, yeah. I no, could care less what Kim Kardashian and Kanye West are doing. I could care <laughs> I, less. I hear you. I don't I like had, to see anybody get divorced, but literally, what does I, that have to do with me? I had to go look them up at, at one point because I didn't know who they were. <laughs> <laughs> and then you thought, was this it? Was this what I was missing? Uh, I'll never get that five minutes back. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, so I completely understand how you feel. By the way, um, talking about programming and talking about all the different s- sources of programming we get, uh, Leo, who said this was awesome stuff, he, he followed up saying he's watching from Papua New Guinea. So wow. look what technology is doing. We are reaching yeah, around hey, the world. <laughs> pretty cool. exciting stuff. Let's talk about that that programming stuff. Because I think that's pretty important. I imagine as a coach, that's something you probably deal with with clients, trying to help them, first of all, to appreciate the importance of reprogramming. And then second of all, helping them to actually do it, to, you know, make the reprogramming happen. Do you have a particular way you you help people or is it just, you know, customized person by person or, you know, how do you approach that? No, I don't have it customized uh, person by person. At first I did, but then I realized, you know what, the same things that worked for me basically works for everybody. Okay. So I just teach them what I did. And the very first foundational thing that I teach everyone is start being aware of what's in your awareness, right? Start paying attention to the conversations that you're having, the negative self-talk, and we all do the negative self-talk and they don't even think about it, right? Start thinking about what you're thinking about. That's the very first place that I start, well, Monique, you know, I love, I don't know, horror movies or vampire movies or whatever. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't, but what I am saying is start paying attention to how that is maybe programming your subconscious mind, why you are maybe fearful of a lot of things that maybe you shouldn't even be fearful of because you like to watch horror movies or my one number one thing was, um, um, the news. And I can be completely honest with you. Can I, can I just share something with you guys? I, I don't think there's going to be any problem with that, but you go right ahead. <laughs> so um, since I've been here in Houston with my daughter, right mm-hmm. now coming from Fort Lauderdale, I can get on I-95 and go to Miami if I choose to, or West Palm Beach or wherever, right? If I choose to, but I can also just stay on the side streets, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing here in Houston, but Houston is so big and spread out that you and where we live is like almost Katy that you almost need to get on the freeway. Walt, when I tell you I am starting to have anxiety around getting on the freeway and I had to stop and think about why is that? Where is that coming from? I never felt like that before. Right. And you know what I had to um, remember or When I lived in Atlanta for almost 20 years and I used to watch the news, you could not watch the news morning, afternoon or evening without them telling you about at least two or three accidents on the freeway where Uh, people actually lost their lives. Yeah. And I can remember the only the very first thought I would always think is, 
Oh my gosh. I bet those people, when they left the house that morning, they didn't think that they were going to die today. That's, that's all I could think about. Right. Mm -hmm. And so every time I'm on the freeway now out here in Houston, because remember in Fort Lauderdale, I don't have to be right. This is true. Um, it's so beautiful. It's scenic driving for me everywhere. I don't even like the freeway because it's so beautiful. Right. right sure. Out here, I have to get on the freeway. So I cringe when my daughter tells me, oh, mom, I want you to drive, even though she has a 2021 Honda, right? <laughs> brand new Honda Accord. And I love it. But still, I, I, I've been having the work with myself to deprogram that what naturally automatically has started to come to mind. And I'm looking around and I'm nervous and, you know, I'm, the speed limit is like 70 and here I am doing 60 and I'm looking, you know what I mean? People are flying past at 80. <laughs> yeah. My daughter's looking at me like I'm crazy, right? Cause she's all of 75. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. But see, that's what I'm talking about. I had to realize that that anxiety that's starting to come up, I don't know why, well, probably because now I'm, I'm on the freeway again, right? But it came from the programming for so many years of watching the news and hearing about so many accidents on the freeway. And by the way, VR says uh, that he's watching from India. So we're definitely transglobal hey, at this hey. point. So let's talk about how to reprogram that. I mean, there's a great example. You, you just laid out a beautiful example of, of, first of all, identifying that you knew what the source was. I, I Half the time, I don't even know what the source is. You know, I, half the time I find myself just having to reprogram, like, I don't know where this came from, but by God, I need a new program in there. But you at least know what the source is. Yeah, I so, definitely know what the source is. So how do you reprogram it? So every time it's time for me to drive or I have to get on the freeway, while I literally have to tell myself, it was not just, I'm not saying trivializing the news, like it was just a program, mm -hmm. but I have to remind myself it was the news, right? That doesn't make it true, my reality for today. Mm -hmm. So when I'm getting on the freeway, I literally have to talk myself into relaxing. You know, I literally talk myself through relaxing. It's okay, Monique. The car next to you is not getting any closer. You know, they're staying in their lane, right? Literally. For maybe about the first five minutes. It's getting easier and easier where I have to do that less and less. So, yeah, probably about down the five minutes. But before maybe about 25 minutes, I would have to do that for for a while. So it's it's getting much, much better now. But, yeah, it, it's just because, you know, I was programmed to think, Every time I get on the freeway, it's going to be an accident. If it's not me, I'm going to see an accident. There's going to be an accident, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, it's literally just talking myself through that it's okay. That's not your reality. You're fine. See, the cars are just fine. Everybody's doing the speed. You know what I mean? I do, yeah. So um, that's what's been helping me. I know that one thing that I try to do, I don't always pull it off. I don't always remember to do it, mm -hmm. but when I do remember to do it, I do it. And that is, I try to get myself into a higher vibe state before I try to do anything like that. Oh, I like it. And I, I say that from years of experience, you can see the white hair from years of experience of having tried to make shifts like that without going high vibe and getting totally frustrated because I couldn't easily make the shift. 
But when I go high vibe, when I get myself into a good feeling place and then try to do some reprogramming, it's amazing how much more easily it sticks simply because yeah. I'm high vibe. So yeah, I was, that's why I was curious to know if you incorporate that. No, but I definitely was. You've got all kinds of good stuff today. <laughs> I love it. I love learning. I love trying new things. Well, honestly, I got that from Abraham Hicks. Really? Yeah. It, it's a, one of the concepts they, they have taught numerous times. You can see it in the videos that are on YouTube and so forth. Um, is that if you try to vibrate low and, and make a change or even attract something, you're going to get something you don't really want yeah. because your vibration isn't matching yeah, what it is that. you're asking for. This is true. So that's why they keep saying the most important thing is to feel good no matter what you're doing, because mm-hmm. then your vibration is going to match what it is that you're asking for. It's, it's part of the whole concept of what they call the, the two-ended stick. Do you know that particular metaphor? No. The, the, two, the two-ended stick is where one end of the stick is the thing or the experience or the lifestyle or whatever that you want or desire. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. other end of the stick is the lack of that. And they usually point out that that's the true opposite. So often we think like the opposite of a relationship is being divorced or something like that. Yeah. But really the lack, the, the, the opposite of a relationship is a lack of a relationship. Yeah. Lack, lack is the direct opposite. Others can be kind of similar, maybe a little bit parallel, but direct mm-hmm. opposite is lack. So the two ended stick is thing and lack of thing at the two ends of the stick. And when you understand it and think about it that way, then you realize that when you're in a low vibe space and you're trying to attract the, the stick, the, the, the thing end of the stick, it doesn't work because the thing at the end of the stick is high vibe and you're feeling low vibe. That right. doesn't work. You gotta be, you have to be congruent with the thing that you're trying to attract, right? You have, that's where that, that uh, radical belief comes from that you're talking yes, about. Indeed. Similarly, if you get yourself into a high vibe state, even without yet thinking about the thing that you really want, and then you apply yourself to the thing that you want, now you've established like vibration. And by establishing like vibration, now the thing end of the stick comes. So this is like, first of all, it's a great way of understanding how to apply law of attraction and yeah, make it really like work that. in your life. But it's also a way of understanding why stuff doesn't show up. It doesn't like show that. up because most of the time, here's you talked about the negative self-talk. Tell me if this sounds familiar, and I'm sure it does because you're a life coach, so you hear these kinds of stories all the time. Okay, I want to attract a a beautiful woman into my life. All right, so I'm going to focus on that. I want this beautiful woman to come. Of course, she'll never really go for me. They never go for me. But but I I, I want to attract this beautiful woman into my life. This is a waste of time. This isn't going to work. This never works out. Every time that I date somebody, I know it's going to be a disaster, you know, but... uh, but God, if you can just find some way to send it to me, you know, I, I really want to have this beautiful woman. What is that story doing? <laughs> Negating the very thing that you say you want. Exactly. So basically, I'm hoping that if I ask for a high vibe thing and then kind of sink back down to low vibe, the universe won't notice. <laughs> right. It's amazing how many people are surprised, yeah. like you said. That it doesn't happen. And then see, when it doesn't happen, that just reinforces even more that negative self-talk. See, I knew it wasn't going to happen. I knew she wasn't going to go for me. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So what we're really, when when you're talking about overcoming the negative self-talk, what we're really talking about is the lack end talk. Mm -hmm. We're trying to stop 
giving out the lack end energy, the lack end of the stick. Yes. And it's really interesting to me how many people are, I don't even want to say naturally negative, but let me put it this way. Well, we're conditioned to be negative, aren't we? And, you know, because I've always been an optimistic person, it it literally does, I don't understand it. Well, I've that's because you didn't allow yourself to be conditioned that way. Yeah, you, I mean, know, you, you, you already told me that. I remember the first time you told me the story of your father and how he was just this constantly optimistic, yeah. positive kind of guy. Exactly. That was the programming you got from a primary parent. And you know what, Walt? I swear to you, I never really thought of, I never thought that I was programmed to be optimistic, but that would make the most sense. Mm-hmm. That would make the most sense because even when something doesn't go the way that I want it to, or when it seems like a negative situation, yes, of course, sometimes I get down, but I never think, oh my gosh, well, it's me. This is never going to turn around. This is awful. You know, whatever, whatever. I'm never going to have another client. My business is going to completely go under. Right. I'm always thinking, okay, so this is a setback or this is, you know, maybe I don't have as many clients as I want in my coaching program this month, but it's going to turn around and you have to turn it around, Monique. You have the ability to do it. Like I have to remind myself, you know, hey, this is your reality. This is what you've created but you can also turn it around. And then I'm like, yeah. And then I listen to Suyash's channel and I listen to people who have manifested a bunch of stuff. And then I'm like, yeah, you're manifesting (laughs) peace. I love it. (laughs) And off to the races I go and I'm I'm back on cloud cloud nine again. So you not only got some really good programming when you were a kid, but you ran with it. You could have abandoned it. But you know what else I think, Walt? I think for a lot of people, when they get in that negative mind state or mindset, I think they feel good. And they may not admit that, but it feels good to kind of whine and complain. And you can always find someone to do it with you, right? Or to co-sign yes. off your negativity. And I think there's a tiny part that enjoys that. Instead of recognizing what it is, and immediately finding a way to turn that around. And mm-hmm. that's why I always recommend that channel to all of all of my clients, no matter whether it's mindset or manifestation that we're working um, on, which my mindset program definitely has some woo-woo in it too. But <laughs> I just want them to, to listen to something that's uplifting and listen to people who had situations where they also thought, oh my gosh, this is dang near impossible. I don't even see how this is going to happen, but I'm going to have this radical belief, right? I'm going to have this childlike faith that no matter what, it's going to happen. And it's usually just a couple months. That's cool. That's very good. But you have to decide. Yeah, you, you do. To be in, in that low vibration. And that's I'm, where I think a lot of people get kind of stuck. And I'm glad that you mentioned that uh, Mind, Body, Spirit uh, YouTube group for the Manifestation Stories. I also want to put in a little plug for ours because yeah. um, here on the LOA Today podcast, we have the LOA Today app. And if you uh, download the LOA Today app for any kind of smartphone, we have built into it a number of ebooks and courses, including an ebook 
called Real Success Stories of the Law of Attraction. That's actually the subtitle. The title is Your Daily Dose of Happy. And it's got 55 manifestation stories in it. So, yeah. So take advantage. Download it. It's all free. Um, plus, it gives you a nice, easy way to listen to all of our podcast episodes. The last 25, the most recent 25 are always on there. So take advantage to download that. Um, yes, don't forget Melissa. Yes, right. Yeah, well, that's the other thing, uh, because it also provides a way for you to send in questions and comments and so forth. There, there are a couple forms that you can just fill in your stuff and send it in. And every time that I get something, I match it up with whichever co-host um, I'm doing that particular show with, because I'm doing this five days a week. You're doing it three week, three days this week, but uh, yeah, that's a little days. unusual for you. <laughs> but I'm doing it five days a week, and I always match up the question. Uh, in fact, the form gives you the opportunity. Send us, you know, I want Monique to answer this question, so I make sure it goes into my Monique file, so Monique cool. can answer it. Um, but take advantage of the fact that that's also in the LOA Today app, and, uh, you know, use it. Connect to us, talk to us, just like people are yeah. connecting to us on the live stream. And maybe um, they might have a manifestation story that they want to share. They just might. Yeah, that's a good idea. In fact, anyone yeah. who's listening in right now or maybe listening to the replay, you know, feel free to include a story in the comments. You know, we'll We'd love to read it and share with everyone. Absolutely. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, we got about two minutes left before we have to sign off. Um, by the way, for those who are wondering where the beginning of the show was uh, on the uh, Facebook page that we're on, we're, on the, we're live streaming today to the Law of Attraction Change My Life group. And unfortunately, we had a little tech difficulty for the first five minutes. So that's where the that's why you came into the, the middle of the show when you first tuned into it. But we'll, we'll have that fixed next time around. But just for the last couple of minutes. Um, OK, we've talked about the the importance of reprogramming. We've talked about some ideas about how to reprogram. One last thought for somebody who's got big negative programming built up and they find themselves constantly being, being pulled back to it, even when they're trying to reprogram themselves. What do you tell them? Oh, wow. Yeah. So that, that brings back, um, I won't call her name, but the lady about the husband kind oh, of okay. thing. Right? Yeah. So the thing that I um, always tell her is just what I said before. First of all, think about anything that God has done for you. Meditate on that. Also, listen to those manifestation stories as well. She said that that helped her a lot. Manifestation stories? Yeah. yeah. The um, channel with Suyash and now the LOA app, right? LOA Today app. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. In fact, I'll, uh, for those who are in the, the uh, Facebook group that we're uh, beaming to today, I'll put a, a link into the comments in case anybody's interested. But um, yeah, absolutely. That, both of those sources are good for manifestation stories. And you're right. There's something about listening to a story or hearing how somebody else did something that just kind of helps to build your own belief system, doesn't it? Yeah. They don't realize it, but that really starts to help reprogram their mind around what's possible because mm. prior to, they don't think it's possible. But when you hear so many different stories across the board from, you know, all, all types of people from around the world, then they start to understand, hey, this is possible for me too. Mm -hmm. And again, they don't really realize it, Walt, but in a sneaky way, I'm helping them to reprogram their mind and expand <laughs> their awareness about what's really possible for them in their lives. That's so that's cool. a to my madness. There usually is. I found that out in the time that we've been doing these shows. <laughs> I'm not just mad, but there's there, a method to the madness. There's a lot of method to your madness. Yeah, it's a really cool method, I have to say. So, okay, well, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to doing the next show with you tomorrow because you're going to be sitting in for Dan Mangana and Alex King. So we'll 
Looking forward to doing that show. Thank you to those who uh, tuned into us on the uh, Facebook group, Law of Attraction Changed My Life. Thanks especially to all of our hundreds of podcast listeners as well. Without you, we wouldn't have a podcast. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.